0: thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we're helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all, or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can go to mynsc.org happenings. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout the week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Let's do it. It's been a couple of unique weeks. We had Vision Sunday, then Pastor Larry was here. Uh, Pastor Larry Stockstill was here last weekend. Today, we're going to start a new series called Thy Kingdom Come, and um, I, I want to I set the foundation today of what we're going to be talking about for several weeks here. This is, this is a, a topic matter that I actually started s- studying literally almost uh, a couple of decades ago, and it was transformational in my life, and I I hope, I pray that it'll be transformational in your life, that through this series, you're going, to view, you're going to view things, how to live life, how to live out the Word of God, and what, not only what God wants to do in you and through you, but actually who God is and who you are in Christ Jesus and, and the authority that you carry in Christ Jesus. And some things are going to come alive to you this morning. It's going to be so much fun. And as we talk about the kingdom of God, I want to say a couple of things that even yesterday, and I, this wasn't, I didn't to to tell you the truth. I didn't even know this was happening yesterday that King Charles was actually coronated yesterday. And I I just turned on the news in the morning. Like I, I, I typically do on a Saturday. I just get up, drink some coffee, watch some news. And, and all of a sudden this, the coronation is there and poor King Charles, he looked under all of those heavy robes and everything. Did anybody else see that? He looked like he could barely bear the weight of it, you know? And, um, and and a lot of times as we think about the kingdom of God and, and we've, we, we oftentimes think about kingdoms, well, Char- King Charles, I don't know if you know this or not, understand it or not, um, the United Kingdom is not a monarchy. Like, he has, he has very little power because the United Kingdom is actually a, a constitutional monarchy, meaning they're not a monarchy, it's actually a democracy. They have parliament, they have uh, representatives, they, they take votes, all of those things. King Charles, his, his power is extremely, is extremely limited, all right? Even though the United Kingdom has a king, can I tell you, they still function as a democracy. Now, that being said, a lot of people don't understand the kingdom of God, that, that we do not have that our Heavenly Father is not a president, and he's not a prime minister. He actually is king, and he carries all authority, all power, all dominion, It all belongs to him. It's his way, everybody. And and, and the good news is, the good news is, if, if, if you're sitting here saying, you know what? Well, I don't know if I like that or not. Can I tell you something? Uh, I'm glad we have... I'm glad our Heavenly Father is king because he is also perfect, he is just, he's fair, he's loving, he's merciful, he's compassionate, he's patient, he's kind to everybody, he's wonderful in all of his ways. Let me say it a different way, I'm glad you're not king. And you should be glad I'm not king, all right? You should be glad I'm not king because we're imperfect people, but our heavenly father, he's not just king, he is a perfect king in all of his ways, and therefore you should have no struggle being part of a kingdom, but, but let me say it this way, though, that you don't get, when it comes to the kingdom of God and the principles of God, the truth found in, in, in God, that you don't get a vote in the matter. Did you know that? that you don't get to deny what God establishes. You don't get to come. You can try to resist it, but you'll lose. You'll you'll just lose. And I'm gonna prove that to you in scripture. And this is gonna be so encouraging to you. You're gonna really find your identity in Christ Jesus through this this, uh, series called Thy Kingdom Come. And what I wanna do is go to Matthew chapter six, starting in verse nine. And I'm going to say the first, what is that? Uh, the first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven words by myself. And then we're all going to pray the, these, the rest of this uh, on the screen. Okay. So this then is how you should pray. Now, everybody, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to give you a couple of things about that, that a lot of you uh, pray this prayer or have prayed this prayer. In fact, a lot of you have the entire prayer memorized, but very few actually understand what they're praying when they say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. That very few, very few Christians actually understand what the kingdom of God is all about. And so I have been using this uh, for, for uh, quite some time now that, that I, I pray according to the word of God. And so there are lots of prayers in the Bible, lots of scripture in the Bible that you can pray. Well, I, I, in fact, not just me, but lots of people out there, lots of theologians call them prayer models or templates for prayer. So, so the disciples come up and ask Jesus, you know, Jesus, tell us how to pray. And he says, this then is how you should pray. And the first thing you do is our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Meaning that to how the the name, the name of our God is hallowed. It is set apart. Like there's no other name out that's bigger or better or stronger than the name of our Lord. Can I get an amen to that? There is no other name like the name of our of our Savior, of our Lord. And the Bible says that the righteous run to him. And we are safe, everybody. And so the name of Jesus Christ, the name of our God is set apart. It is to be honored and revered and worshiped and surrendered to and bowed down to everybody. So as we start in prayer and we start, if we really pray the Lord's Prayer, and I try to do this every day. I cannot say that I do it every day. But most days I pray through the Lord's Prayer. So I'll start it, Lord, I thank you that you are wonderful, you are king, you, there is nobody like our God, there is no one who reigns like you reign, Father, you are set apart, you are highly exalted above all the earth, no God compares to you. You see what I'm doing? I'm, I'm announcing, I'm declaring, I'm praising the name of my heavenly Father, and I'm, I'm, I'm aligning with what Jesus said, that hallowed is his name. Like, his name is set apart, and so it's, a, it's an act of praise, it's an act of worship. And then we get to this part, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come. And a lot of people don't understand what they're praying, but I learned this a long time, many years ago, and it changed the way that I pray. And I'm going to teach you that if you understand the kingdom of God, it'll actually change the way that you pray, and it'll change the way that you live life. So number one, write this down, that the kingdom of God does not primarily refer to a place. It actually refers to a power. The kingdom of God does not primarily in the Bible refer to a place as much as it refers to a power. So all of a sudden, verses in Scripture come alive to us if we understand the meaning of the kingdom of God. In fact, 1 Corinthians 4, 20 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. It's not a matter of talk. It's a matter of power. Let's read some other verses here. Luke chapter 11, uh, 20 says, But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. L- let's look at Luke chapter 12, verse 31. But seek the kingdom of God. Other verses say, seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things shall be added unto you. Is, is, is that verse talking about a place? And I would say to you, no, it's talking about a power, and I'm going to prove it to you in a second. Luke chapter 17, verse 20 says this. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, and he said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, like you're thinking of it the wrong way. Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed, the kingdom of God is actually within you. The kingdom of God is within you. So we're obviously in that verse, we're not talking about a place. We're talking about something else. We're talking about a kingdom. So write this down, number two that in both the Old and the New Testaments, kingdom primarily means, and I'm gonna give you a chance to write these down, kingdom primarily means authority, power, and dominion. Now, everything changes when you read the Word of God. Everything changes. If you understand the biblical definition of kingdom, you understand it's not referring to a place, it is referring to a power. To a power. Okay, so in the Old Testament, in Hebrew, the word is malkuth, and it means royal power, dominion, or reign. In the New Testament, the word is basaliah. That's in the Greek, and it means royal power, kingship, dominion, rule, or authority. So in both Old and New Testaments, the word kingdom means the authority, the power, and the dominion of God. So now we go back to The Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what we're really praying is, Lord, let your power, your authority, your dominion come. And when it does, your will will be done on the earth exactly the way that it's done in heaven. Meaning in heaven, you have all authority, all power, all dominion. And we're asking that your power and your authority and your dominion would be seen here in the earth. See how it changes the way that you pray. You're inviting, every time you pray the Lord's Prayer, you're inviting the authority and the power and the dominion of God into this world. And by the way, he needs an invitation. And you say, why is that? Well, I'll I'll show you that. And I have to look in Genesis, but I want you to write this down first, that the kingdom kingdom life is actually God's method of operation, it's actually God's method of operation. So to get the foundation of this, we have to go back to the book of Genesis. And we see something powerful in chapter 1, starting in verse 27. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and, what's this, fill the earth and subdue it have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God's design in his original perfect design, he did not establish a democracy. He He established a kingdom. He established a kingdom. And as children of God, he gave us authority and dominion And power. And he actually tells them, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to have dominion over the entirety of my creation on earth. I want you to rule over this creation. That was God's design. So we do not serve a president or a prime minister, ours is a king. He's a king. And, and as, a, as a king, he makes decrees. And when those decrees are spoken, they are established. So when he said, listen, you are meant to rule over the earth, he meant it. He said, you have dominion. I have given you authority to live out in this world that I created, in perfection, to live out my authority, my dominion, my power in your life. I want you to have dominion. Now, a lot of people... Don't understand then how we got to where we are. Well, here's what happened. Not much longer, Adam and Eve, of course, were told one thing. The one thing that God said you cannot do is eat from the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, just stay away from that tree. Everything else, it's good for you, have, have at it. Well, the, the enemy came in, Satan came in, and he tempted them, and they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and sin entered into the world. And in theology, we call that the fall, the fall. So sin entered into the, the world. What? Let, let me say it this way, number four, write this down, that when sin entered the world, so did a different kingdom, so did a different kingdom, that God's ways were exchanged for, as we read in Scripture, the ways of this world. That Adam and Eve actually, they, they were given the keys to the kingdom. They, that God said, listen, I want you to sub- subdue it. I want you to have dominion over all of my creation. He handed them the keys to this world. But they were tempted and they gave in to sin. And they turned the keys of this world over to the enemy. And a new kingdom was established in this world. And it's not the kingdom of God. It is the kingdom of this world. And the Bible is very clear about that. We even see that in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter two. Let me prove this to you. Ephesians chapter two, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, watch this, when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Who do you think he's talking about there? He's talking about the enemy, the devil, Satan. That, that right now, there is a kingdom at work in this world that is not of God. It is the kingdom of this world, and it is ruled by, by satanic power, by, by Satan and his demons. And it happened when Adam and Eve were in the garden, when they sinned, they handed the keys that God had given them over to the enemy, And said, now the world is yours. And Satan took control of this world. And now is the ruler of this world. And you don't like that. And I don't like that. But God knew it was going to happen. And he had a plan the entirety of that time. He knew exactly what he was going to do. First John chapter two, verse 15 says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the father, but from the world. Okay, so let's look at this. There are two kingdoms and only two kingdoms we have the kingdom of this world and we have the kingdom of our God we have the kingdom of darkness and we have the kingdom of light every single person in existence lives either in the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness there is no third kingdom Pastor Larry was here just this past week, and he said, actually, at bare minimum, at bare minimum, and and he and I, and probably all of you believe it's far more than this, but at least 5.5 billion people in the world today are not associated with the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. They actually are in the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of this world. They are lost. They don't have the knowledge of Jesus Christ They have not accepted the way of salvation. Do you see how significant that is? That there are only two kingdoms. And I praise God, literally praise God, for being transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Like I'm not a part of that kingdom anymore. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. But 5.5, at least 5.5 billion people in the world right now are not in the kingdom of God. So by the way, if, if there are only two kingdoms, it verifies the, the, the fact that there are only two locations in which one can spend eternity. So when you are in the kingdom of light and the kingdom of God, you will spend eternity in heaven but if you live in the kingdom of this world, in the kingdom of darkness, you'll be eternally separated from God, and you'll actually live in hell throughout all of eternity. Heaven is very real, but so is hell. And hell was created for the devil and his demons. It wasn't created for you. God never wanted you to go there, never wanted, never once. Like he doesn't, the Bible says he doesn't want anyone to perish, but all should come to Repentance, to faith in Christ Jesus. So the will of God is for every single person to accept Christ. And when they do that, they step into the kingdom of God. Now, let me say it a different way. When they accept Jesus as Savior, they step into the authority and the power and the dominion of God. We are now, as Christians, subjects to the king. Who, by the way, when, when we, and I've, I heard this, Pastor Chris Hodges said this a few weeks ago on Easter Sunday. He, he said, you know what? When you crown Jesus as king in your life and you enter into the family of God, the kingdom of God, by trusting Jesus the Savior, so you're crowning Jesus as king, what Jesus does is he actually turns around and he puts a crown on you. It's a crown of righteousness that you've been given life and life to the full, and now the kingdom of God consists of kings and priests. By the way, all of you as children of God, you are now kings and priests. You didn't know that, but you are. Why? Because you have been given a crown of righteousness. You've been accepted into the family of God, and now you are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ Jesus. Do you get this now? You are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ Jesus. So all of the benefits that Jesus receives as being the Son of God, you receive all of those benefits minus one. Nobody will be praising you throughout all of eternity. They'll all be praising him. But make no mistake about it, you are an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ Jesus, meaning... Whatever Jesus receives as a son of God, you too receive as a child of God. You have an inheritance with all of the saints, and it's glorious, and it's wonderful, and it's joyful, and it, it, I'm telling you, everybody, great is the day that we enter into our reward. Great is that day. Great is that day. Boy, I feel like preaching today, everybody. Can you tell I can't even hardly sit, sit down here, today, but I, I, I've got to go back because I've got to I gotta go I'm, I, I gotta get through this. So what happens is in this, in this generation, in this world, in fact, in all generations that it's ever been, people start thinking deep thoughts. They start thinking about life after death. They, they start thinking about eternity. They, they start thinking about, well, when I take my last breath, what's going to happen? And so you have a lot of people out there just say, well, I'm not really religious, So when I die and I take my last breath, nothing's going to happen. My body's just going to be put in the the ground and I'm done. Like, that's it. Can I tell you, you can say you're religious all day. You can say that you're not religious all day long, but I I promise you that's a religion. Mm -hmm. To say that nothing happens after your death, that's a religious thought. Most people don't land there. Most people say, okay, I I can look around and I can see that there's an earth and I can see that there's people and I can see that there's a creation. So there must be a creator. I have no idea who this creator is, but if my good outweighs my bad, then I'm, I'm praying. I'm hoping that the creator just accepts me for the good person I am. And I'll have a good eternity that I get to go to some form of Heaven, that too is a religious thought. And in fact, what we teach, what the Bible teaches, let me say it that way too, what the Bible teaches is that, in fact, for you not to be a religious person, that there were loads of people who were religious in the Bible, and Jesus is constantly confronting them and he's calling them names, everybody. And we're going to read one here in a second. He actually calls them names. But in in the authority that he walked and he had the right to do that. He said, "You guys, you guys you're being hypocritical here because you you stink of religion. The thing that you're missing is relationship. And no doubt probably all of you, if not most of you have heard this before, That we are not called into a religion, we are called into a relationship with our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, His Son. So ours is not a religion, ours is a relationship through Christ with our Father. Isn't that amazing? So what people do then, what people do because they think eternal thoughts... So a lot of people realizing that something is wrong, realizing that their eternity is not really secure, they end up creating their own God or they end up creating their own religion to satisfy the questions that are in their life, to give them some level of hope for a future. But here's something that's interesting, everybody, that religion truly doesn't change people. In fact, what we're seeing in the world today is that people are changing religion to suit culture. See, religion won't change you. A relationship with your heavenly father will. In fact, religion won't only change you, but people change religion to match culture. Let, let me give you an example of that. We are seeing something in the nation right now that I, I knew was coming. Most of us have known it was coming because we've seen it in, in more liberal countries especially in european countries for instance that have already dealt with this 10 years ago 20 years ago 30 years ago in which denominations here in the united states are at this moment splitting apart for multiple reasons but the primary reason in today's culture is that religions religions are now saying hey listen we're changing our views based upon what's happening in culture Let's take, for instance, the LGBTQ plus community. There's a lot of of pastors and a lot of uh, um, people who who say that they're followers of Christ and believers in the word of God, but because they are are of a religious nature and not out of a relationship, not out of trusting God and his truth, that they say, hey, listen, our religion doesn't match culture, so we're gonna change our religion to match what's happening in culture. And we have churches like the Presbyterian churches, Methodist churches. In fact, somebody came up to me at the first service and said, you know what, it's actually happening right here in our community. There's a local church that's getting ready to have a vote of whether whether they are going to start valuing LGBTQ community or thoughts, or are they really going to hold to what the Word of God says? And it's happening right here, right now. You see how it is? That religious people oftentimes start changing their religion to match what's happening in culture. Can I tell you something about the Bible? And I just want to be really upfront with you. My wife and I, when we started New Song Church, we said, what if there's a church that just preached the Word of God and preached it in love? That just held to the Word of God. We just hold to the Word of God. Let me tell you something about the Word of God. The Word of God is politically incorrect. If you truly embrace the word of God, there are going to be some relationships that go south because not everybody does. And I want you to know that if you haven't faced it yet, you will. You will. And it should not cause us to live angry lives. Hear me. It should cause us to live lives of love, of service. Let let me say it this way, that it should, that what's happening in our nation right now should break your heart. It should cause you to fall on your knees like never before and cry out on behalf of our nation and truly pray this prayer. Father, let your authority, your power, your dominion come. Let your will be done on the earth just like it's done in heaven. Father, I'm praying that you have mercy upon our nation. It should cause us to be brokenhearted. It should not cause us to rise up in anger and point our finger at the world. It should cause us to share the good news of Jesus, to say, listen, I'm, I'm not like the rest of the world. I have a relationship with my heavenly father and I see things clearly now. And I know what God wants to do in the world. He wants to set people free. See, a lot of people view God as putting his finger on our nation and keeping them under his thumb. Can I tell you something? that what God actually does is he reaches down with a strong right arm and he raises us up out of the pit and he crowns us with love and compassion. He sets our feet up on a rock and he sets us free, everybody. That's what God does. It's about freedom. It's about freedom. It's not about restrictions. It's about freedom in Christ Jesus. But make no mistake, this book is a politically incorrect book. And as for me, I'm okay with that. Why? Because it's true. Because it's true. And you are gonna, you're gonna be faced with this. Are you going to stand up for truth? I was so proud of this person. <laughs> they come here to the first service, but they still are members at another church. They said, we just go to both. We just love new songs so much. We just go to both. I said, yeah, that's, they said, you know what? We have this vote coming up and I'm telling all my friends, we've got to vote according to the word of God. And I said, good for you. Good for you. Somebody needs to stand up. Somebody needs to be in that church standing up for truth. How many, can I get an amen to that? Somebody? Good, 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 good. So there's a lot of people that try to change their religion to match culture. And I'm going to read something to you out of, it reminded me of uh, Matthew chapter 23. This is Jesus speaking, verse 27. He says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and all you Pharisees? So he's talking to all the religious people. He's talking to people who have embraced religion instead of a relationship with their heavenly father. He actually says, you're hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. He said, you're the walking dead. You're the walking dead. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. You're religious, but you're not in relationship. You think that you're okay, but you're actually living in the kingdom of darkness. And you've been blinded, thinking that you're in the kingdom of light. Isn't that something? Let's not live like that. In fact, number five, write this down, that religion is often an obstacle to the kingdom of God. That a lot of people never enjoy the authority and the power and the dominion of God in their lives because they're too busy emba- embracing religion and religious thoughts. And they don't have a relationship with, with, with our heavenly father through Christ Jesus, his son. And they're missing out. You say, well, what do we do about it? Number six, only through faith and repentance can we be transferred from Satan's kingdom to the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to hang with me here just for a few moments. The Bible is so very, very clear. In fact, I would really challenge you, if if you don't have a, a, a time every day where you read the word of God, study the word of God, you need to. Make sure you do that, and I would encourage you, whether you do that or not, for all of us just to read through the book of Acts this week, and what you'll find in the book of Acts are these statements over and over and over again about having faith in Christ Jesus, putting your faith in Christ Jesus, but also it uses the word repent over and over and over again. And I've said it this way, if you've been coming to New Song, you've heard me say this before, that repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. That when you come to Christ for salvation, you come to him in faith, but you also come to him in repentance. You've had a change of mind. That's what to, to repent means. Repentance means a change of mind. And it will lead to a change of direction, but it is not a change of direction first. It's actually a change of mind. It's actually a change of mind. Where you realize my sins have separated me from God. I believe that there's a creator. I want to be in relationship with that creator. Therefore, I am a sinner in need of a savior. Savior. And you come to Christ Jesus and you say, I surrender. I've had a change of mind. I no longer embrace the life that I used to embrace. Now I'm embracing life with you. So I, I am now, I've had a change of mind. I discovered I don't like the kingdom of darkness. I don't like the ways of this world. Those don't work. I want to be in the kingdom of light in the kingdom of God it's repentance and it's faith and it's seen over and over and over in scripture that's why I tell people when we give people the opportunity to receive Jesus as savior you've heard me say this almost every single week it's never about the words it's always about your heart like it's never about the words it's always about your heart that it is, And it's that way because it is a change of your mind, it's a change of your thought pattern. It's something that happens deep inside of you that says, you know what, if the only words that you can speak out is, God, save me, and you come to him in faith, you're believing in Jesus, you're, you're praying for salvation, maybe those words are just, save me, that that's enough. Because it's not, it's not like, well, as long as you say these exact words... You're going to be fine. No? Did you know that the sinner's prayer is nowhere in the Bible? Did you know that? It's not in there. Now, it is a great way to say, hey, listen, we're putting a stake in the ground. Today's, today, today's the day that you went before the Lord and you poured out your heart to him and said to him in whatever way you want to, I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and I'm asking you to save me. That if that's your heart, if you're, if you're repenting of your sins and you're placing your faith in Jesus, the Bible says you're going to be saved. There's no magic formula, no magic arrangement of words. Well, if I say these words in this type of, of, of order, then I'll be saved. Listen, a lot, of people, a lot of people say they believe in Jesus, but they haven't actually surrendered their life to him. They actually haven't repented And so, what I do on Sundays, if you've ever caught this before, I'll say, hey, listen, it's time to put your faith in Jesus Christ. It's time to surrender. And by surrender, it's just a different word for repent. It's saying, listen, it's time to give Jesus your everything, it's time to move into a relationship with him. Matthew chapter four, this is so powerful. From that time on, Jesus began to preach and to say, so he did this all the time is what this verse is saying. He probably said this thousands upon thousands of times. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Some translations say, repent for the kingdom of God is near. This is so powerful, everybody. That all of a sudden, once you understand what the kingdom is all about, that verses like this come alive. Now, I want you to do this. Anytime that you start reading the Bible now, most of the time, primarily, when you read about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, it's not talking about a place, it's talking about a power. And you can substitute those words, that that word kingdom, for authority, power, and dominion. So now, all of a sudden, Jesus is saying something that they understood, but maybe you don't. Jesus said, repent. For the kingdom of of heaven is at hand. Repent. For the authority and the power and the dominion of our God is at hand. What he's saying is, when you look at me, you're looking at authority. When you look at me, you're looking at power. When you look at me, you're looking at dominion. I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is at hand. You're looking at him right now. And he's looking at all these people saying, you need to repent. You need to have a change of mind. You need to break away from religion and embrace relationship with Christ. You need to give God full reign in your life because the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Amazing. And all of a sudden, these verses just start coming alive. We don't seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, thinking we don't, we don't seek first the place. no. We seek first his authority and his power and his dominion, and all of these things will be added unto us. (laughs) Why? Why? Because he's all authority. He has all authority. He has all power. He has all dominion. Why would I doubt him? He has it all. It all belongs to him. You see, the word of God is going to start coming alive to you when you start reading about the kingdom. And for the next few weeks, I'm going to be teaching you about the kingdom. I'm going to be teaching you how to operate according to God's MO. Because when he established this earth, he established it with a kingdom mentality and with us as being kings and priests, meaning to operate in the authority and the dominion and the power that he wants us to operate into, to truly live lives of faith. Colossians 1, verse 13 says, for he has rescued us. How many are grateful that God has rescued us? He's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and watch this, and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. See, when you came to faith in Christ, when you repented of your sins and came to faith in Christ, and faith in Christ alone... You were transferred, the Bible says, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. A transfer occurred. The problem is that a lot of Christians today are trying to keep one foot in the kingdom of this world and another foot in the kingdom of our God. They're trying to keep one foot in the kingdom of darkness and the other foot in the kingdom of light. And what I'm here to tell you is that you're going to walk funny if you do that. <laughs> right? And, and, and eventually, you're going to fall. It's going to hurt. And God says himself that if you try to live life like that, he said, for those... Another word for that, trying to keep one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God, he says that's actually trying to be lukewarm. You're you're, you're being lukewarm. And he says, I I just want to spit you out of my mouth. What's Justin's paraphrase? When you're trying to keep one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God, you make God sick to his stomach. You know why? A lot of people don't understand why because it's not your best life. And if you don't watch out, you'll convince yourself that everything is okay when everything is not okay. You'll start believing lies and your walk will get funnier and funnier and funnier. It'll, let me say it a different way, it'll get worse and worse and worse. And pretty soon, you'll start seeing the very opposite of the blessings of God upon your life. Why? Because you haven't, you haven't gone all in into the kingdom of his dear son, into the kingdom of light. And today, I'm gonna to focus on something a little bit different today that a lot of, every, every, practically every Sunday, we, we give people an opportunity to accept Jesus as Savior. We're gonna do that today. But can I tell you, we're gonna end this a little bit differently too, that there's a lot of you that, that your walk is funny because you're trying to embrace the things of God embrace the things of the world and today's a day to make a decision to go all in all in all in can I tell you something about our heavenly father he deserves for you to go all in because he went all that by giving you the gift of his son, Jesus. He gave his all. Not that you could walk the fence, but that you would be transferred, truly transferred into the kingdom of light, into freedom, into joy, into peace, into hope. That's what he wants for you. Your best life is not walking the fence. Your best life is all in. And I'm going to challenge you today. Go all in. I'm all in. Just stand up with me. I'm going to ask a simple question this morning. Actually, two. The first one is, have you truly surrendered your life to Christ? Have you truly surrendered your life to Christ? Have you placed your, your, your trust, your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation? And are, ready, are you ready to repent of your sins? Have you done that? Have you truly surrendered to Christ? And if you haven't, I'm going to give you a chance. And if you say, you know what? I believe in Jesus. It's not that I don't believe. You believe in Jesus. But you've been walking the fence. You've been straddling the fence. And you realize it today. And you know in your heart of hearts, that is not the life that God has for you. It is not your best life. And you know it. And you're saying, you know what? I I need to make a decision today to go all in. Can I tell you something? When you make that decision, the Holy Spirit will empower you. There is supernatural power that will flow into your life that'll give you the power over sin, the power over darkness. Let me say it a different way that God is gonna light you up through the power of His Spirit. He's gonna change everything. But it happens in here first. Full surrender, full surrender, full surrender. Nothing less he deserves our all because he gave his all I'm going to ask you to bow your heads if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out I'm just going to pray with you today if you've never surrendered your, surrendered your life to Jesus and you're ready to put your faith in Jesus Christ for the salvation that you longed for to be made right in your relationship with God would you raise your hand really high let me see who you are All right, okay. Is there anybody else? Okay, put your hands down. I'm so proud of you. Let's pray for that first. Remember, it's not a matter of your words. It's a matter of your heart. But it goes something like this. God, I come to you today knowing I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I realize I have no hope without Jesus Christ. But I believe I believe in Jesus. I believe in the cross. I believe in the resurrection. I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And today I put all of my trust in Jesus Christ alone. And I repent of my sins. I surrender wholeheartedly to Jesus, my Savior. And according to your word, saying that, that every person who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So I have called upon you today and I am saved by grace through faith. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer and meant it with all your heart, you've been born again you're saved. Now for those in this room, you've been leading a mediocre life and you know that God is calling you off the fence to stop straddling the fence and to go all in. And you're coming to God today with a repentant heart. Saying, Lord, I've been battling this, but today I'm all in. Raise your hand really high. That's who you are. Lots of people, lots of people. Okay, you put your hands down? Let's pray. Jesus, today in this moment, I have so many regrets. I knew what I was supposed to be doing but so many times I just didn't choose it. And you were there, you were calling me you were drawing me to yourself. You were sharing your heart with me, you were convicting me of my life, of those decisions of of that sin and how easy it was for me to ignore your voice and to just Do it my way instead of yours. What foolishness is that, God? And I realize it. It's just foolishness. It's deception. It's wrong. So I come to you today with a heart of repentance. I come to you as I am knowing full well that without your help, I could not live the life that you want me to live on my own. I don't have enough willpower to do that. So God, I'm asking you for your power, your authority, your dominion. So Father, in this day, I pray, Let your kingdom come. Let your power, your authority, your dominion come, and let your will be done in my life exactly the way it's done in heaven. Do in me, Lord, whatever needs to be done, whatever you want to do. Be powerful in my life. Take control of my life. Have full authority in my life the way that you have in heaven, I surrender my life to you today. Today, I choose to go all in. But I need your help. And I'm asking you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now stay with me here just for a second. Nobody moving around. If you gave your life to Jesus today, we have a book for you called Fresh Start. It's a really easy read, but it's really good for you. Go to guest services and just say, "Hey, I want I want a copy of Fresh Start. It's free of charge, and we'll give that to you. and, and We'll just take your name and, and email or name and, and cell phone, and we won't we won't come by your house. Just drop by and visit you or nothing like that. We're not creepy, okay? So, don't think that. But go and get that book. Um, the The other thing is, um, for those of you who said, "I want to go all in," don't don't miss a Sunday as we study this, especially but you're going to hear the voice of the Lord speak to you because you're going to be tempted to go back to what you've been going back to but you're going to hear the voice of the Lord calling you out of it you need to surrender to God do not surrender to sin surrender to God for every temptation that comes into your life your response could be should be Lord I'm being tempted but right now I choose you The Bible says we set our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith. So we set our eyes on Christ, ask him for help and he'll help you. I tell people this, it's hard to sin when you're praying, right? Sometimes when I'm being tempted, I'll turn that, that moment of temptation into worship because I know it's hard to sin when I'm worshiping God. Sometimes I turn it into Bible reading because it's hard to sin when I'm reading the word of God, right? So I just put my attention on on the Lord and it, 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 It brings freedom to my life. And it doesn't restrict me. It actually releases me to be the person I already want to be. You see? So do that. Remember this. One invitation can change your life. We're going to be presenting the gospel all month long. So bring your friends, bring your family members, especially the ones who don't know Jesus. If you don't know how to bring them to to Christ, bring them to church and allow us to bring them to Christ. But one invitation can change your life. And you have several minutes here. In fact, we're we're one minute early today, everybody. So praise the Lord for that, right? And uh, so that means you get to take one extra minute and love each other and accept each other and welcome each other the same way Jesus loves and welcomes you. All right. I love you guys so much. I will see you next Sunday morning. God bless you guys. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org contact. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones who God is using to make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for watching. We hope you tune in next week.